If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi. How have you been? Great. How have you been? Amazing. Um, Okay, wait. I got to read this, okay? Yep. Let's process this. Explores how best to survive trauma and use it to inform your creative process. Your questions are welcome. Today's guest. (laughs) Today's guest. Tonight's guest. Tonight's 7 p.m. guest is Mary Lynn Ricecup. She is an actress and comedian best known for portraying Chloe O'Brien in the Fox action thriller series 24. She appeared on HBO's Mr. Show and in the films Dudes Wear Dudes Where's My Cars. Dudes, where's my car? <laughs> Dude, where's my fleet of cars? Sweet Home Alabama, Punch Drunk Love, etc. I love Punch Drunk Trunk Love so much. Hi, Mary Lynn. Thanks Talk for about being trauma. here. Punch Drunk Love, right? There's a guy in some trauma, living in trauma. Seriously. I mean, what was your what was your favorite project that you've done? Um, that's a great question, but I don't even know if I can answer questions like that because they're all like, you know, I mean, Punch Drunk Love is a pretty good one. Yeah. So, you know, obviously one of the best filmmakers ever. Yeah. Um, but it also had its own, he's very meticulous, you know, like he would do like tons of takes and then we would go away for months and then he would come back and reading parts of it what and yeah like he something wasn't right he so he would go and then he would bring back like months for this one section he came back and worked on it again so i mean each thing i work on has its different aspects of you know like i'm sure you've been on stuff where it's like that was so fun everyone's so great and then the product turns out crappy you know, like you never know which aspects of it for artistic purposes are like, oh, that product came together amazing, but the experience was hard or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's a, you're right. It's a layered question. And I mean, 24 was definitely like a huge, huge deal in my life. But now, you know, it's weird because it's really nice to have that be recognized for that but I'm also like I don't doesn't really have anything to do with me now you know (laughs) I can't really live on that I probably would if I could like if I was making a shit ton of money I'd be like yeah man Chloe forever let's go no I wouldn't but so that's it's amazing to have that type of success but then it's also like I don't I don't know what to say. Like, that's been so many years since that, you know? Yeah. Like, when when did that end? Um, 
a really good question. I want to say like 10 years ago, but I know there was a reboot when Val was like five and he's 11 now. So that's six years ago they did the reboot, which was in England. Um, so it had been off the air for a couple of years and then they brought it back for like 12 episodes. I mean, that's, it's like an amazing, amazing thing to have been a part of, but you know, for many reasons that would be one of those things, but there, but, the, but it still is like not everything, you know? <laughs> How long were you in, in London doing that reboot? Uh, about six months. Oh, did you enjoy that time? I did. It was really fantastic. Did you, um, did you, do you keep in touch with Kiefer? Not really. I had a dream about him the other night. I was actually, I woke up thinking I should do, I do what we're doing now. Like, it's so nice to see you because I don't see you that often, you know, and in this way where we're just like one-on-one, just only for the internet. It is. It's nice. It's like nice to connect. Um, is that, do you hear an echo? No. Um, anyway, well, um, so what, how's your quarantine going? It has been so amazing. No, I, um, I actually am enjoying it, um, just because it's forcing me to be creative in different ways and slow down in ways and connect with people in ways. And I, I am enjoying it, but how's yours been with your family? Um, good. I mean, it's a lot of screen time for my kid. Yeah. And I've been kind of doing the same of figuring out different ways to work and yeah. it's, forcing, it's forcing me to write more, you know? Yeah. Um, are you, so, and then I saw the show that you created that where you are a newswoman and you talk about the topics of the day and it's really funny. And how are you doing that by yourself every day? Yes. It's so much fun. It's like giving me purpose in life. I work on it with, uh, my friend Chelsea helps me like write and then I, I send her like the raw footage and she does the editing of it. So that's pretty great because it's, I think it's given us both something to focus on that's in the moment. You know, that was definitely one of the first things, like I think the beginning of quarantine, you're just come here, please get your food. That's how we do it. Um, all the frozen pizza. <laughs> Um, there you go. Did he just say no? No, he said I'm coming. Oh. My darling. Hi, Valentine. Hi. She met you when you were a baby. You were the cutest babe. <laughs> um. I knew, I knew at that moment that he was smart. Remember I said he was very smart. <laughs> you did. He's like, he's like, over. He's like, get out of here. Um, but I think like the beginning of of quarantine everyone has like their different rate or it's weird because it's like you don't blame anybody if you're like yep you want to lay in bed like there was actually there was a sweet spot at the very beginning of quarantine when you had to just like let go of everything and you're just like (laughs) 
No, I did. And you had to really reckon with your own self and what your rhythm was. And it's like, immediately there's no workouts happening. <laughs> and I, I not once have I been like, oh, I wish I was driving somewhere for a meeting. Like, not one time. <laughs> you know? And as a matter of fact, even like, this is like sacrilegious because of like the stand-up in me. I'm like, I don't miss getting in the car and driving to shows, but I do think the news show is really, um, you know, scratching that itch for me. Cause it's like a new, it's, you know, it's a new format and it's challenging me to kind of like daily address stuff. And that totally came out of that quarantine panic, you know, because at the beginning, it's like panic, and then, oh, this is kind of cool, you know, everybody joking about not putting pants on and pajamas and the whole thing. And so, yeah, in between the panics, and now it's like a different phase of it, right? Like, I feel like people are trying to figure out, like, is work still happening? And people want, like, more movement now. But, but or like, you're, we're adjusting to the idea of, a new norm that's like this somehow. Like, remember at the beginning, the first week or so, you're just like, this is crazy. And now we're to the point where it's like, oh, this is not ending anytime soon. And then when it does, it's going to be weird, right? Yeah. It's going to be so weird. Like, if someone goes to shake your hand. Yeah. I'm going to just be like, homie, don't play that. Um, okay. I guess my battery's low, so I got to plug this in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, you're putting it out there, putting it out there hardcore, putting the the fire out there. I'm using the battery. Okay. Let me ask you. So how, what, how, what sort of trauma have you overcome or pivoted back from and how'd you do it and how has that informed your creative process it's a three-part question um I don't know if I'm gonna correctly adhere to the format because kind of what what keeps coming up for me is that trauma for me in general has been its own creative process Mm. and I don't really know how to explain this but I'll try it's like performing for me especially how come when I oh because I don't do it on my no I do do it on my iPhone how come my head's being cut off now I did this earlier today my head was cut off are you holding the iPhone no I'm just gonna do this it's fine um so when I first started performing it was I'm, I'm realizing now a good 20 25 years in I weirdly had like recovered memory of when and not I don't mean that in the dramatic I did have a memory come up and I felt like I was processing the feelings of it because I'm uh, more stable now in my life but of experiences I had of moving to LA of shit that I threw myself into that were like just crazy things that I did and performing was one of them 
but that's my own mechanism. I was driven to do it and I sort of needed it artistically to survive. But I also would like weird shit. I never threw up, but I remember getting really tired, like paralyzingly tired right before I go on stage. And I would deliberately, not deliberately, it's just kind of like who and what I was. I would not know what I was going to say. So I would create this like, extreme fear and then I would throw myself on stage and I just didn't have the personality for it and I developed a skill out of it and I don't mean to say this in in any way to like belittle you know the trauma of something heavier than that but for my own like development as a person I threw myself into things that I had kind of no business being in what do you mean? I just didn't, uh, I was a very, I, I had a lot of social anxiety and was like, uh, more introverted, but then like this performing part of me existed alongside of it. So you like, very, like untrained, like just this urge to express myself, but it was like very raw and very, um, like instinctual and like not trained and like no context for it. So like when you do a lot of open mics and stuff like that, where it's just like terrifying, like I didn't really have a, I don't know. It was just a, I loved it, but I didn't enjoy it a lot of times. <laughs> so you like threw yourself in the deep end basically. And you were like, figure out how to swim. Yes, exactly. And it was and like a an assault on your nervous system, but you were guided by your creativity. And I did that in all aspects of my life. And here's a weirder, very clear example, but it's like an offshoot. And it's kind of a, I don't want to like qualify. It's not a dumb example. I mean, it's my example. Um, do you remember when there was the Aspen Comedy Festival? And I was, it was so it's in, in Aspen and I was with like a bunch of, dude comedians and I had never downhill skied before and these guys were like come on like let's go and because I wanted to do it and I not that I didn't want to admit I mean I think I was like I don't know but I did it anyway with no lesson never having been on skis I just went at the top of the mountain and I was like oh, pizza and just like you know like and I recently and this is how I clearly know that I'm sort of putting the pieces together, I would say, was this last year? A couple years ago, went skiing. And again, I'm wondering if this is how people have that have like real recovered memories when they get to a point in their life where they're, where your body's like, okay, I can deal with this now. And this, my version is like the light version of it. But I remember being on this uh, ski lift And I, and I, because I was remembering doing that to myself, do you know what I mean? So I was like re-experiencing it and I was like, <laughs> like it was a very, I couldn't turn the chair lift around, but I got off at the first place and just was terrified. And it took me kind of the rest of the afternoon to try to, but I was having flashbacks of having done that. So it was almost like I was, that's my version of self-induced trauma, I guess. But I don't regret it. I'm glad I did it. But once I 
re-experienced it later, I was like, what the, f- why did you do that? Why did you just throw yourself down a mountain? Um, it's like way later that I recognized how dangerous it was and why, you know, that there was no need for me to do that. But I was just, I guess it was a little bit, I didn't want to be left out, but it was also like, I just wanted to experience life. And so I just threw myself into it, even though it was pretty kind of a messed up thing to do. Don't you think some of that though, is just being young? Like I, I think it's some of the things I did at that time and also beginning comedy. It's just like a, I just look back and go, what was I thinking? But like, that was part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think all people are kind of like that at that, at that age? Or do you think that it's especially um, like exclusive to performers? I don't know. I think that's a good question. I think probably everyone has their version of it. You know, sometimes I have this thing where I'm on stage where I'll call somebody out if if they're highly educated and I'm like, or or, because I have the story about how like I um, got pregnant and then got married and and I'll say to someone in the audience, like, who like if they react I'm like oh did you plan everything out you know what I mean so like from my limited perception I I have this idea that other people do things correctly but but you're probably right it probably is just an aspect of being human where you're young and you look back and go what the hell did I do right well I mean do you do you think it's more like was it some like lack of parenting or or something else that you were just like a wild child or was it just a natural kind of like I'm going to LA I'm just gonna go for it I'm gonna perform and I'm gonna go skiing with a bunch of people I don't know I think there was a lack of uh like I didn't have a foundation of how to grow and experience life I didn't, I didn't understand. I'm still sort of grappling with that. Like where, what the building blocks to creating a health, healthy social life or healthy habits or healthy relationships. I don't, I don't think I really fully grasped that. And that might be connected to the creativity or the performer that that part of me just wanted other stuff. But I was raised to be like, just be stable, get a job. And I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Do you think, so you didn't have any other like performer people in your family? Mm-mm. Me neither. So do you feel like you had any mentors or you just had to totally figure it out on your own? Um, that's a good question. What about you? I don't feel like I really had any mentors. I didn't know anyone doing the things that... I wanted to do, um, and I kind of just moved out here and started to find those people. Yeah, kind of the same for me. I think I met people that inspired me, like, oh, you're doing that. I mean, I I went to art school, and I definitely met people who were good mentors for how to be an artist, and that's what gave me the idea of that it's something that you could do. You know, like the instructors there and stuff. 
that was kind of, that was a really inspiring time. Yeah, that's cool. And I love that um, you have such a special creative voice because you did come from that art, uh, performance art background. And um, I feel like, I don't know, like what, what is your creative process? Like I saw your show about your family. I've seen a few of your shows. And, um, and the show, like with the show with the family, you just had a, a, a baby, a beautiful, beautiful baby, Valentine, and you were married and you just, were you just like jotting down ideas and then you were like, this is a show or like, what's your process? Um, I, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of jotting down in the early days. It was just phrases that I didn't know if were connected to me or not. And then like very early on, it was just like random words. And then the, the shows that you're referring to, yeah, more like writing down anecdotes or instances and then using improvs to flesh them out into like chunks of stories. So those later shows were more rehearsed in that way and working with a director you know having someone to like back and forth I know you do that a lot right you work with people yeah yeah I like to um string together stories and get a director's perspective although the the one I did last year I just ended up directing that so I just had oh really I just had to improv is is a big component with comedy and like a personal storytelling because you uh but then you sometimes need someone there to bounce it off so that you can grab onto those things or get that reaction and be like, oh, is that a good – sometimes you don't recognize it as you're saying, but that was like the pertinent thing. Yeah, and also there's some stories that I never would have told because I thought they were too personal or, or boring or why would anyone care or I didn't even think they were that big of a deal. And then I've had directors come in and say – what did you just tell me happened? (laughs) Of course you have to tell that story. And that's how I ended up getting like, just being like, oh, really? That's material? Like I could see that with someone else's material, but not necessarily my own. Wouldn't have known what was interesting or okay to talk about. Yeah. But um, I didn't really have any acting mentors. I guess my first boyfriend was an actor in L.A., so I did learn from him. But when I started doing comedy, like, um, I felt like I just found all my people because all of a sudden we spoke the same language, and it's like you could write stuff for yourself to perform. and You, it, you are in a different category because you're not waiting anymore for some people to pick you, I guess. Yeah. Same for me, except for I spent many years being really too scared to be, or I didn't, I didn't know how to be a cohesive writer. Early on, I felt like all my peers kind of had that dialed in, and that's just my personal, I was just too um, uh, damaged, I guess, or too, like, I just didn't know who I was or what I was, and that took me a long time. But I was lucky enough to get acting work despite of that, you know? Yeah, I loved you in Punch Drunk Love. I just saw that. 
like, like a month ago, I think I texted you or something, but it was so good. It was such a beautiful movie. I can't believe I'd never seen it. You were amazing. It, really it was great. Like, you, um, isn't Adam Sandler so good in that, but it's so stressful, right? It's He's such a good actor. And I wondered how much of that was the acting or the directing that it was just so grounded and real. What, what do yeah. you think it was? Well, how was the, I know you said in the beginning of this talk that it was kind of a stressful shoot just in terms of not shooting it all at one time and intensity and stuff, but. I mean, so there were some times where it was really, really fun and a totally elevated experience because being with someone like Paul Thomas Anderson from, uh, and I've, I've thought about this on different sets that I've been on. It really has to come from the person who has the vision sets the tone for the entire set. And so on a Paul Thomas Anderson film, you can feel it the second you walk across the street to where the set is. Like everybody knows the caliber of what they're working on. And that comes from him and his vision. You know what I mean? Like there's some shows where people aren't taking it seriously or different departments like think that they're more important than, and I'm not saying like, the actor is most important, but I'm saying you you must be focused on the thing that you're making. Otherwise, what's the point? You know. What do you mean? Are some people not focused? I just feel like there's sometimes where you'll get dissent. Like if things happen as they always do, like something happens on a set where there people are like, "Oh, this is taking too long," or "That it's messed up," or "We're not being treated right." Like sort of on his set, the artistic integrity and his vision was so clear and that he made it clear to every person that worked on that. I mean, actually, and I think that comes from the person that's in the leader, the boss position that sets that tone just for everybody working on it so that you know this is what we're doing. This is the integrity of this thing. I mean, 24 was a really good example of that too. Like when I showed up on that set, because I had never been on a drama before, it was like, it was run like a film set. Like there were, weren't a bunch of executives standing around. Like they would make everybody not be there. And it would just be like the director and the actors and you would run through it. And, um, also on that show, because it was so innovative at the time, the, ca the um, camera operators, you could just tell they were invested because they knew the thing that they were working on. Like this is a special show. This is a cool show. I'm respected for my, the way, because they did a lot of innovative things with, um, you know, that ticking time bomb and the split screen and all that. Like, nobody had done that at that time. And so you could tell the difference between the camera operator that's just being taken for granted sometimes in these things that just get, kind of get lost in the shuffle. Like, the vision of it gets watered down because it's, it's happening for different reasons. But when everything's sort of all the, because there's so many different pieces that need to come together, right, on a TV show. I know I switched from, like, a Paul Thomas Anderson is, is the opposite of a TV show. Like, he's pretty much the vision for his thing. And then when you get into, like, TV, there's so many different aspects of it that have to report and put their two cents in of how it's going, right? But that was a show where... Um, pretty much like all departments were like, yeah, like we work on this show. It, it's awesome. You know, like it's good. And, and, and you, you knew it and you could feel it in the work that in people's level of investment they, that they had in it. 
Were you sad when it ended? Did you go through a mourning or grieving? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was definitely after three years of being, I mean, I was on it for like, what, like, I don't know, seven or eight years or something. And, uh, you know, after the first three years, it took me three years to be like, okay, I'm actually working. I'm on this show because you're so used to like, you know, when is the other shoe going to drop? It's just a matter of time before this goes away. And so that was for, you know, there's different, there's the people, there's the work you're doing. And then there's just the stability that it creates in your life of being able to know that you have a job, you know, and kind of dig, dig your heels in and, um, know that you sort of belong there. Although it, it was also, I'm not sure in particular. I mean, there were times, most of the time I was like, I know my character's not going to get killed off, but there were times where you never knew with that show. You're like, okay, this could be over any second. Did you have an easier time getting other jobs from that show? Like at that point, did you not have to audition anymore? Did people just send in offers? because they knew your work on 24? Oh, uh, no, not really. Did you... Um, I mean, I had a better reputation, for sure, but or just, like, kind of known, but not I, not that I know of. Not that I can remember. No, I'm going to get, like, calls from somebody, like, you did this job and that job, but, I mean, if I'm honest, I'm... So looking back, I'm like, how did I not get another job like right away? <laughs> that is weird. Um, and then your performance in um, Punch Drunk Love was so good, like that it looked like you looked so stressed out. Like, how did Paul Thomas Anderson get you to do that? Would he just come over and be like more stressed out, or was that like mostly you, your take on the character? Uh, I remember like you just looked at like you played that stressed out sister on um, Punch Drunk Club. Well, I knew that's what he was going for with the all the sisters in that. And I remember some rehearsals early on where he was asking for me to show my anger. And so there were some rehearsal, a couple, not a lot, but we, a couple rehearsals way before the cameras even started where he was sort of trying to get the tempo of something and also my character. And at that time, I didn't really have a lot of experience like expressing anger in my life, let alone acting. And so I, I remember that sort of being a problem for me, but it worked well for like stress and anxiety because can't directly be ang angry that comes out in like your behavior in different ways so I was like in touch with it but I couldn't really you know I can now I'm much better at it now but at the time it would be like be you know like have rage and you're just like what like I don't do I don't do that you know that wasn't my uh, repertoire I, I was in the the business of swallowing feelings you know I think um that you played her with such an urgency that the urgency took care of that. Yeah. A lot of that rage. I don't know. It was so good. I, I thought you were great in it. I mean, there's like a codependence with them and with all the sisters, you know, like, yeah. I, like I thought his problems were my problems and like that I needed to fix him. <laughs> it was, 
Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's why you were like trying to set up. Yeah, it was just it was what a beautiful film. Um, and the perfect length, an hour and a half. Okay. Um, there's a question here for you. What have you recently from Mike Kaplan, what have you recently thrown yourself into? Have you thrown yourself into anything recently? I'm throwing myself into this quarantine hardcore. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Um, what, what is your, I guess, yeah, like, what is your process for quarantine, your creative process? Uh, I'm really liking quarantine for that reason, and it might be partly because I don't know, I've been, I've been in this position for a long time, I don't know if and when I'm getting another job, which is hilarious, because the perception of me, I'm very thankful for the work that I've done, and I, I'll run into people and be like, well, you always work. And, like, I always sort of manage to pull it off, but it's never a done deal for the year or for even, like, six months. So the quarantine is almost like doubling down on the feelings for everyone. You know, every, again, that's something that everyone, whether you have a stable job and you don't now or whether you're, you know, a creative who's not working and you're like, what else is new? Um, but it sort of has heightened my already basis of like I don't know where the next job is coming from and instead of I tried to um, apply for unemployment early like mid-March and I had never done it before and they're like what's your last three jobs and I'm writing it and then the, then it kept going like they're like well what are your all the jobs you've had in 18 months and it gives you space to like keep putting and I was like, 18 months? I've had eight jobs in the last three months. Like, I can't, I don't, I can't. And then I just gave up. And so my new quarantine tactic is to somehow readjust and try to get work. Like, I, I now I want to do my fake news show and be supported for that. I'm writing more and I'm going to try to sell writing, you know, I'm just like, great. I'm like, so I'm structuring my day with that of like start writing at seven or eight, take a break, do some news show, you know, go back to writing. I mean, it's not like it's, I'm still figuring it out, but how long do you write each day? Um, well, it depends on what I call, like, actual, like, quality writing. And it really takes a lot for me to focus. Like, sometimes I can't focus at all. So sometimes I'll, if I can't focus at all, I'll just set the alarm for six minutes. And I'll go, you can think about this one thing for six minutes. And then I'll just do, like, six-minute increments. But it also depends on what the thing is I have to do. Like, I'm working on pitches right now. I'm working on a script and then I'm, I'm getting used to the mechanism of like, like the jokes for the new show. I always want to do that because it's like fun and it's current. And then the script, my brain goes, you have to rethink that whole thing. Like you don't want to do that. Like my brain will go, that has so many problems. Like you can't do that right now, but that's the, probably the thing I need to do the most work on, but I have to trick myself into working on one particular aspect of it and I'll bargain. I'll, I'll say like, just do 20 minutes. Like you have 20 minutes of focus in you right now. 
So, like, I try to put in a good, you know, one or two hour sesh. And it's like the dream is if I can, you know, get one, like, one good hour of actual focus would be pretty amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you could do one hour where you are in the thing for that whole hour, that's pretty good. I think so, too. I'm a big fan of set the timer for 10 minutes. And yes. just do 10 minutes. And a lot of times, yes, I'll end up going for an hour. Sure. But yeah. if I know I only have to do 10 minutes to cross it off my list, then I'm going to do it. But if okay. I feel like I have to do an hour, then like I'm looking at Facebook, I'm taking a nap, I'm on doing all these things. Or you know what happens with the 10 minutes or the six minutes, you surprise yourself. Because with 10 mm-hmm. minutes... If you're focused for 10 minutes, you can get a lot done. Oh, my God, completely. Well, if you think of it in terms of or even just like making those hard to make emails or calls, if you think I only have to do it for 10 minutes, you're not going to fuck around for like four hours avoiding it. You're just going to fucking call the people and email them and then you're going to be done. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, that's great. Well, I love your news show. You're so funny on it. Everyone should go watch Marilyn's news show on her Instagram. How you put one out every day? Every day. It's so fun. It's so crazy. And I like, that's a trick too. Cause I'm like, gotta, gotta get the news. Gotta, I gotta get the news stories in there. So I love it so much. It's so good. And your friend does a great editing job. I know she's really good. And it's like, we have so much fun, you know, because we have our like, it feels like a real show because we'll have our call and we both know like we're going to get on the phone at one, get ready for the on air live at three. Like it's very silly, but we love it. And then I do the live and then I send her, you know, that raw footage and she cuts it down. Oh, okay. What's she cutting it on? Uh, Good question. And I don't remember. Editor technology things editor technology because I I feel like one time she may have had some program and then she didn't and I don't ask questions I just go like get it girl (laughs) I'm terrible at stuff like that I know it's not my movie I I know that much okay yeah I I don't think she has like Final Cut Pro though I think it's some random I tried to go learn editing one day at the Genius Bar and I was I hate this story so much already. I hate them for I was like, I'm just going to edit my own videos because Whitney Cummings had told me she just edited her own videos. And I was like, how? She does everything. I'm like, I don't know. Is there anything she doesn't do? And so I'm like, I'm just going to go to the Genius Bar. They have a little lesson. And I just, all I learned there was that I will always be hiring an editor. (laughs) Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So, um, what else, what, is there anything people should go watch, um, besides your news show right now? Where else can they see you? I don't know, man. It's a good question. (laughs) Quarantine. Am I right? (laughs) I was in a big movie this year. I was in a big movie that may or may not come out. What was it? It's a Chris Pratt movie with fighting aliens. It's about an, um, alien apocalypse war that fights in the future takes place in the future that's so, so cool yeah it was really fun what's your part 
I'm like a regular lady that gets recruited to fight this impossible war. That sounds cool. Yeah. So how are they going to do a movie premiere in the pandemic, do you think? Well, I I don't even understand what's happening in the business at all. Will they push it? Like, I don't know. I, I'm like, I'm dumb about that stuff. Like, I know companies are folding. They have to release it because, you know what I mean? But how does it change? I have no idea. I Yeah, I don't know either. I have one too, and I don't know what how that's going to come out. Because people, I mean, they want stuff to watch. I know that other stuff is going straight to streaming, but I've also heard of shows just like, packing up and like we don't know if or when we're coming back you know companies got to be losing money right now how are they gonna i don't know i don't know either um who do you think is gonna do a pandemic comedy special just on the pandemic (laughs) as their only subject (laughs) yeah um, or is that too topical? Chris Rock, bring the pandemic. <laughs> um, do you miss performing every night? No, because you have your news show now. So you're just performing yeah. in a different way. I mean, I kind of do now that like I'm talking, talking shop, uh, but I'm surprised at how much I have no problem staying home. Like it's a little bit shocking to me. I have to say, I feel the same way. Really? I'm like, when does the sadness kick in? Because I every day I wake up and I'm like, this is amazing. So good. I mean, of course, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm holding space for the other people who are freaking out, but I just am oh, enjoying it. Oh, I just lost it. your sound. Okay. Did you cover up your mic? Oh. Um. Cool. Well, um, what do you do, like, if you get in a sad, like, if you get sad or something? You just feel the feeling? You just ride it out. You just ride it out. Or take a nap or take a bath. You know, I've been hitting the wine. Oh. But I have to say, like, I drank wine last night, and I think it's, like, good while I'm doing it, but it really is not. Like, tonight... It's because it may, it actually make, I mean, it's not, it's not really new, new information, but it actually make, because I think, oh, I'm relaxing my brain. I'm just getting loosey goosey, just drinking some wine, but it, it does not help for feelings when you're like on edge and it's a stressful time. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are using it to cope and I, I, you know, you might talk to me four days from now and I'll be like, I drank a bunch of wine last night. But like tonight, I'm not drinking any wine and it's a lot better because a clear head is, it's it's just easier. It actually is easier to like get through because I think it comes in waves. What kind of wine was it? It was... Uh, red wine, apoth, apothic. What's that called? Apoth, apothic. I think you can get it at Trader Joe's. Apoth- it was pretty good. Apothecary. Apoth- and I'm tired and my head isn't clear. And then sometimes you get more sad, you know, or yeah. you get more like agitated. It's a crapshoot with wine. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> 
maybe it's just my choice of alcohol, you know? <laughs> maybe I should go like tequila and, and be having a great <laughs> pandemic. Uh, oh well i'm so happy that i got to see you i'm so happy to talk to you let's not wait for another pandemic yes please i'm gonna keep watching your news show i love it i All love right, and i'm gonna check how long have you been doing this at this i just started tonight yay okay i'll be checking in on you doing this okay thanks for having me thanks for being here okay talk to you soon bye mary lynn bye. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I so appreciate you. We could not do this without your support. So thank you so much for sharing the podcast with anyone who you think could benefit or enjoy it on your socials, um, to your email list, etc. And also, if you would like to be a patron of the podcast, you can actually just click on Anchor to become a patron for any amount that you want to pledge per month to keep the podcast going, any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week on Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. Yeah.